What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Theology and Worship podcast. Here we exist to equip worshipers for spirit and truth worship. Today we're asking the question, what do you do when a leader falls, when a leader fails? I think that it's probably inevitable if you follow a leader, and everyone follows a leader, it's probably inevitable that that leader will eventually fall. Um, Some obviously some failures are worse than others. Um, some failures can really stop us in, the, in our tracks and have us questioning everything. One thing that's difficult about leadership is that you're held to a standard that you were never able to attain. That's why we all need Jesus. None of us graduate from that deep need of Jesus. But when you're a leader and you fall, the problem is, is that the people who are following you feel betrayed. And when they're betrayed, especially when it's a secret sin that is quickly revealed, then they're forced to question everything. I think this is why leadership, uh, failures in leadership, uh, is so hard to overcome. I want to talk about, obviously, David, right? David is one of our heroes of the faith who had a great moral failure. In fact, it was kind of a double moral failure since it was adultery and murder. Uh, There was a cover-up that happened, Um, and I'm sure you're familiar with the story, but I'll just briefly kind of recap it. You know, there's a time when kings should go out to war. There's a place where David should be, and he's not there. Instead, he's on his rooftop loitering, bored, and of course he sees Bathsheba uh, bathing. And even though he has wives and he has uh, all the everything that he could ever want. You know, he desires Bathsheba, and so he takes her, takes what is not his. Um, she becomes pregnant, and so to cover it up, you know, his her husband, Uriah, who's out at battle, he sends a letter saying, put him on the front lines of the battle, ensuring that he will be killed. And of course, that is what happens. And the prophet Nathan comes, and I think this is really key, the prophet Nathan comes and tells David this story. You know, he's been revealed all of this by the Holy Spirit, and he tells David this story. A, a poor man has one sheep. He loves this sheep. He would lay down his life for this sheep. The sheep is like part of the family. But his neighbor, who has many sheep, sees his sheep, takes that sheep, kills that sheep, and feeds that sheep to his guests. What should happen to this man? And of course, David is enraged, filled with righteous anger. How dare this neighbor take that one and only sheep? He ought to be put to death and everything he has taken from him, right? Very harsh sentence. And Nathan looks at him and says, you are that man. (laughs) David is wrecked, right? This revelation that he had taken from Uriah, you know, the only thing that he loved. Meanwhile, he himself had access to everything. Here's what's interesting about this story, is that David was not required then to confess this to his kingdom. In fact, he would later go on and write, David would, that his sin was against the Lord and the Lord only. Now, I mean, his sin was against Bathsheba. His sin was certainly against Uriah, and it seems that his sin would be against the kingdom of Israel, of which he was king. But God, in his wisdom, desired to keep David in that position so that he could continue the legacy that would eventually bring us 
Jesus. We actually know that Jesus is going to come through the lineage of David, through Bathsheba, in fact. And so God is often doing something a lot bigger with our leaders than we can even see. And you know what? He's not threatened by our failure. He's not threatened by leaders blowing it and having these huge moral blow-ups. In fact, he will use even that unto the glory of God to bring forth salvation through Jesus. But this doesn't negate the fact that, man, this hurts. When leaders fall, it hurts. When someone that we trusted betrays us, it hurts. And I think just step one in what to do when a leader falls Step one is acknowledge the hurt. Acknowledge it. It's okay to be hurt. And I just want to say on behalf of church leaders, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that happened to you. I'm sorry that that this person hurt you. I'm sorry that this made you question leadership in in general or leadership in the church. Or maybe this is one of those deep, um, deeply felt hurts that the church you know, that you felt about the church. And so I just want to say on behalf of church leadership, I am sorry. Number two is this, though. We have to remember that our need for Jesus is absolutely universal. Your leaders need Jesus. You need Jesus. Those who are following you need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We don't graduate from that. There's not, there's not a next level where we stop needing it. There's not, a, there's not a moment that we are perfected like Christ and no longer need a Savior. Everyone needs Jesus. And every time you see a great leader fall, let it remind you of your deep need for Jesus, and that there is absolutely no security in sin. Nobody is safe from it. Nobody is safe from the enemy's plan to steal, kill, and destroy. It is He is, he is prevalently, prevalently working against all leadership that he might see them fall, that he might take strength from the church, that he might accomplish tearing down uh, heaven and, and building a kingdom of hell. Remember your universal need for Jesus always. And number three is restore biblically. The Bible is clear that one of God's big agendas is restoration. In fact, the whole, the whole book is, is about one theme, and it's redemption and restoration through Jesus Christ. And so <laughs> that, that's the whole point. The whole point is that we have fallen and that we need Jesus so deeply and that he actually restores what has been taken away from us. But, hey, we need to do this biblically, right? David went through a restoration. It was pretty quick in comparison to those that we might compare it to, especially considering um, his failures. But, you know, there was a kingdom to run, and there was uh, a, a Messiah to bring forth. So, you know, God did that the way he wanted to do it. I think a lot of it had to do with the heart posture of David, too, which we see he was absolutely wrecked. Um, but he lost a son through the process. He definitely went through seven days of fasting and praying and grieving over his sin and grieving over what he had what he had done. Um, but in Galatians chapter 6, Paul writes, Brothers, is in verse 1, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So a couple things from this, Galatians 6, 1 through 2, is that 
there are those who fall and there are those who are around them that should restore them. And we are switching places at any given moment, depending on where we're at. In fact, 1 John 1, 9 says we need to be confessing one to another our sin. That's when God can faithfully and with justice um, pardon those sins through Jesus. It's when we're confessing. And so the idea here is there is a community that is surrounding our leaders who are ready to step in and start restoring our brother or sister who might have fallen. That's why it says you are who are spiritual. And this you who are spiritual are not like the next, you know, level up on the spiritual chain uh, people. These aren't the, the people who are more spiritual than the pastor, but these are just those who are walking in the spirit who are ready. And so you need to surround, especially if you're a leader, you need to surround yourself with those who are ready to restore you and ready to hold you to accountability. Um, you see that there is a spirit here that it needs to happen in. And you can see the kind of play on words of Paul, you who are spiritual, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So what does that word spiritual mean? It means that you have the gifts of the spirit, and this one's going to be necessary for the restoration process, gentleness. And as I've walked around and walked through some fallen leaders, um, they need gentleness a lot. And I I could tend to come at them with a pretty strong hand, uh, but I've been rebuked here by Galatians 6.1. I receive it. I repent. Um we need to be gentle in this in this process. I love that there's a keeping watch on yourself. There is wisdom that needs to be um, just surrounding the whole situation. There needs to be wisdom in deciding how long the restoration process needs to take. Um, I think like what we learned with the lesson of David, we need to cons- consider the sphere of influence. Um, and that's the sphere, you know, we need to, out of the sphere of influence, we need to decide what is the sphere of confession? What would be the wisest way to walk through this to keep this leader potent for the building of the kingdom of God, right? Um, and then you see that there's wisdom in lest you too are also tempted at the end of verse one, right? Um, and so we need to be careful. When, when I'm walking through restoration with someone, my temptation is usually angry, anger, uh, it's self-righteousness. Um, when I start digging into a restoration process, I re- I find out the whole story, and sometimes that can infuriate me, um, and that that can that can build up self righteousness in me and pride in me, and so those are the things that I need to be tempted against, uh, that I need to be uh, sorry guarded against. Um, verse two: Bear one another's burdens. We are called to shoulder this weight together. I think we forget about that so often. We expect our senior leaders to bear the entire weight of the burden by themselves. And then when they break, we blame them for it. That's not, that's just not the way it's supposed to be. Bear one another's burdens, help shoulder the weight, help shoulder the moral standard that it is to stand on any platform. We need to walk together in that. And when you do, he goes on to say, so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? What is that? Well, that's probably when he said the law and the prophets are summed to these two things. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. And so when you walk in step with your leaders and you help shoulder and bear that weight and you stand by as those who are spiritual, who are watching, keeping watch, who are ready to restore, not ready to blame, ready to restore, that's when you fulfill the law of Christ. So, hey, a couple steps here. Number one, acknowledge the hurt. Number two, remember our universal need for Jesus. And number three, restore 
biblically.